generation, those that are 39 and up went for Moby Dick and those that are under went for Moby, the singer, the singing whale. No, not the singing whale, Matt Harper. You can try and sound like you're under 39, but you're not, all right? You're over 39, you've gone for Moby Dick. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Moby is a, a singer. He's been around since the early 90s and he's been a very popular singer. He's sung lots of different things and uh, he's done very, very well. And the reason that his name's Moby is because his great-grandfather was the actual guy who wrote Moby Dick the book. And so that's why he got the name. That was his nickname through school and so therefore he continued on with that as he got older. Uh, so Moby's a, a, an amazing entertainer. He's in the music industry. He's made lots and lots of money. So he's really famous for that. But he's also not so famous for, but he is a Christian, a self-confessed Christian. Uh, Moby says that when he was in his early 20s, one of his friends encouraged him to pick up the Gospels and to read through them. And he said as he read through the Gospels, he got to know Jesus and he gave his life to Jesus as he read them. Uh, and so he's a Christian, uh, which is pretty good too, isn't it? Uh, but there's also uh, there's this, an article that was in a, a magazine that was uh, written not that long ago and the title of it was this. And I'm not too sure whether Moby agrees with this, but the title was this. The Two Sides to Moby. Why Moby loves Jesus but hates the church. Interesting, isn't it? Why Moby loves Jesus and hates the church. Now, I think when you read the article, he doesn't quite say that, but he does say some stuff about being disillusioned with the church, with God's community gathered together. And in some ways, I think he's echoing the sounds of lots of people. Uh, If you talk to people around the streets, if you talk to people who've maybe been involved with church in the past or come along, they said, yeah, uh, Jesus, he's attractive. Uh, He he does miracles, he says some amazing stuff, Uh, he has compassion, he has love, has all those things about him Uh, and he's self-sacrificed. He he gives up his life for people. Uh, There's an attractiveness to Jesus but people say, but I don't want to get into this church stuff. The church stuff, I don't like that. Uh, Jesus, yes, but the church, no. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the church, us, God's community gathered together, are actually supposed to be God's witness to the world. We're actually supposed to be attractive to the world to attract people to Jesus, not turn people off from Jesus. And I think that in some ways that probably has been the case for many years. And if you talk to people who've been in churches for a while, a lot of things they say, yeah, I enjoyed that part, but mate, church just turned me off everything. And it's often because there are fights in churches, because churches disintegrate, because even though we want to talk about Jesus' love and compassion and mercy and humility and grace, sometimes that doesn't happen within the church body. People operate in exactly the opposite way. There's factions, there's fighting, there's power plays, there's people who hurt people and don't forgive, there's people who hurt people and don't ask for forgiveness, there's people who do stuff like that and it gets a bad name and it bears a bad witness onto Jesus and unto God because we are supposed to be his witness. That's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge for us here. I don't think we are particularly like that at all, but it's a challenge that we don't end up like that because the, the history is littered with churches that are like that and people who've been disenfranchised by churches and people who haven't even been into churches who say, oh, I wouldn't want to walk into a place like that at all. I wouldn't want to be part of that. Well, 1 Corinthians is a church that looks like one of the ones that is disintegrating. 1 Corinthians is a book written by Paul to a church 
that was the glory, was a great example of what church could look like and what God's community could look like, but it's gone the other way to the point now where they're actually doing damage to the gospel because of what they are like. And so we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians over the next number of weeks and looking at the things that they did wrong so that we don't do them. Looking at the experience that they had so that we don't end up in the same basket. Uh, the, the, the title we've given to this is called How to Wreck Your Church. Uh, so in other words, we're not wanting to do that. We're wanting to how not to wreck your church, but we're going to see how the Corinthians did and how Paul wants to encourage them back from that. So it's a great book for us together as we're thinking about being God's community uh, and reaching our community, how can we be a great witness for God and not the opposite? How can we make sure we don't go down the path that the Corinthians went so that we can be a great example to the people around us so that people in our community can say, I'd love to be part of that group. So people in our community might say, yeah, that Jesus stuff, he sounds pretty interesting and yes, I want to know about the people who love him too. So it's going to be exciting as we look at this together. As we come to that, I'm going to pray and I'm going to read the first part of 1 Corinthians together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to spend time looking at your word together. We pray, Lord, that as we look at these, uh, only the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians, that, uh, Lord, you'll uh, do a work in us uh, through your word and by your spirit so that we, Lord, will uh, know you and love you more and so that, Lord, we won't head down the path of wrecking our church, but down the path of growing your community here and in that, Lord, reaching out to your community through your community's data. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you open up your Bibles and have a look at 1 Corinthians. Uh, Matt, do you want to help the young guys? Would you be able to help just open up? Is there a couple of Bibles over there for them? That'd be good, make them nice and hot and sweaty. Uh, and then Matt will be able to show you. Uh, I'll, guys, from the weeks coming on, I'll have some sheets for you so that you can actually look at stuff and have it there for you. So it'll be helpful for you. Uh, as you notice, some of the, years, the eights that have been in our, out the back in the past are now in as part of us now. So to help them with that, we'll give them some sheets to make sure that they can follow along with us. Because I can get a bit confusing at times, guys. So uh, it'd be good to... Sam, Ellie, you don't have to agree with me. Uh, All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Uh, Let's have a look at what that says there. It says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way and in all your speaking and in all your knowledge because of our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He'll keep you strong to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Now, we've been told this one, forgetful, uh, uh, that we don't want to be forgetful because I think what Paul's doing here is he's reminding the Corinthians of all the things that they have. 
the Corinthians have gone off on this big tangent and he wants to bring them back. And they are giving him a hard time, these guys. So it's pretty amazing, isn't it? That he says these wonderful things about them to start with. Well, I think it's a good, good trait, isn't it? The thing about uh, giving the positive, but the positive has a meaning to it. He wants to remind them of the things that God has done for them. So if you've got your service sheets, you'll see on the back there's an outline there. That's not going to go up on the screen. We're just going to keep the, the Bible reading on the screen. But you'll be able to see the outline on the back. And we're going to go through those together. Fairly quickly because there's a whole lot of things there, isn't there? So we'll uh, work through them. Um, I don't know about you, but I think the older you get, the more forgetful you get. I, I... No, they say. No, no. I tell you what, I know how forgetful I'm getting because I know how many times I go to IGA in a day. Uh, the amount of times I go back down there, I get home, oh no, I forgot the milk and you've got to go back down there again. And then at three quarters through the day you think, oh yeah, but I needed something for tea and you're back there again. I reckon I'm in the IGA at least four times a day. I don't know about you, but that tells me my brain is not working properly. Uh, things are going amiss and I'm, mi- I'm missing things, I'm not remembering things and that has dire consequences. It means my fuel bill's gone up, it means that IGA gets to see me too often But it also means that sometimes I forget stuff that's really important, like my wife's birthday or something like that, which would be really important. Now, I haven't done that yet. Have you done that, Cody? There was a bit of a look there. There was a sign that it might have happened at one stage. Uh, It can be devastating, can't it, when we forget really important stuff. Now, I think when we forget what God has done for us, it can be devastating even bigger than that. It can be devastating for the life of ourselves and the life of each other. So I think Paul wants to remind us of the great things God has done for us. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to pick out the blessings that God has given us that Paul wants to show to the Corinthians but also wants to show to us. And I think the first thing he wants to show to us is the great blessing of God's word. He says, Paul called to be apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. That's saying that Paul is saying, I'm writing to you. And I'm writing to you as God's representative, I'm bringing God's word to you. An apostle, a sent one from God, uh, has even more authority than the understanding we have it now. He actually saw Jesus, and so he is speaking to them as if God is speaking to them. He's bringing God's word to them. And he's saying, look, you need to listen to this because I'm bringing what God wants to say to you. And he says, that's a great blessing, isn't it, that we have God's word. How often have you thought how amazing it is that we have in here... God's words to you and me. I know I've spoken to different people at different times. I say, oh, I just wish that God would write in the sky in big letters exactly what he wants me to know. And I think, and so we've got it here. You know, written in the air, it just needs a blow of wind and it's gone and you're going to see it again. But what we have here is God's words written for us. And they're here, solid, tangible. We can get a Bible anywhere. And we can just pick it up and look at it and that's what he has to say. I've read of stories of prisoners of war uh, in different places and what they've done is Christians there, sometimes all they've had is two pages of the Bible and they've guarded them with their lives because they know if they got caught with them they would have been killed. And you hear of stories where they've packed them under their beds and they've hidden them up under their beds and in the middle of the night they've got them out and they've read them and for years upon years all they've had is two pages of the Bible and they have treasured them and they've read them and they've memorised them and they've held on to them because they know that that's God's word. It enriches them and grows them 
and helps them and encourages them. Where's your Bible? Is it sitting against the door, making sure that it doesn't bang in the wind? Uh, Is it on the bookshelf, sitting up there, gathering some dust? Or is it sitting on your desk so that everyone can see that it's there but never actually opens? Where's your Bible? It's precious, guys. It is a wonderful blessing from God that we have his words to us. He speaks to us. Imagine that. We can travel miles just to go and hear a good speaker or a good band or go to U2 and spend three hours driving up there and waiting for six hours in a line just to hear a band and yet we have God's word beside us every day and we don't open it. It's a wonderful blessing. Don't take it for granted. That's what Paul wants to say to us. Don't take it for granted. Remember the blessings he's given to us. Remember he's given us God's word. And remember that he's given us each other. Look at verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth. Church of God, that's the community of God. That's God's people. The word there is ecclesia. It's God's gathering. It's his people that are gathered in Corinth. And you notice whose church it is? It's God's church. Do you know that here is not Paul's church? Do you know that here isn't actually your church? It's God's. You are part of that. This is part of our, we are part of God's community here. But he's the one who actually owns it. He's the one who actually grows it. He's the one that actually has brought us together. He's the one that makes us move forward. He's the one that drives us. He's the one that allows us to do what we can do. It's all his. You know, it's not just the person up the front. It's not the ministers. It's not the person who does all the work around the place. It's not the person who built the place, the building, because it's not the building, it's the people. It's not the person who's been here the longest. It's not the person that does all the work uh, getting all the rosters together or getting our kids' church together or getting our kids' club together or getting mums and bubs together or getting Connect Youth together or even just making sure that things happen on Sunday. It's God's. It's His. You are His. And we are in it together. And that's a wonderful blessing. He has brought us all together. He has deliberately brought us all together. When we get later on into Corinthians, we're going to find that he has placed all of you here for specific reasons. And he has gathered you together here for specific reasons. You're not here by accident. You're not gathered here this morning just because you woke up and said, I might turn up at church today. Though that's the way we operate. But you're here because God has brought you here. It's his church. You are his people. And we're to be a wonderful blessing to each other because of that. That's a special thing, isn't it? That should drive us to remember that, that when we're coming here, it's not just the fact I'm coming here because I've got to come here, but I'm coming here because this is where God has gathered us. He's brought us together. That's a wonderful privilege. A wonderful privilege. Never forget it, guys. Never forget it. We are God's... It's God who's given us his word. That's a wonderful blessing. It's God who's given us each other, his community, his church. And it's God that has given us his son, Jesus. Look at what the next verse says. Uh, continues on in. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. He's given us his word. He's given us his community, us together, and he's brought us together through Jesus. He has made us part of this community because of Jesus. 
Without Jesus, we would be nothing. Without him, we wouldn't be together. Without him, we would not be sanctified. Without him, we would not be right with God or with each other. That's what sanctified means. It's been made holy or it's a continual process really. But to be in that process which is justification, he's brought us into that relationship and he's continuing to change us in that. He's continuing to move us in that. Do you know what your purpose in life is? Tell me what the passage says. Called to be sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Ever thought about that? Your purpose in life is to be holy. And what is to be holy? Is to become more like Jesus. Is to become more like him in the way that we love, the way that we share, the way that we have compassion, the way that we serve. To have the passions that he has. To live the way that he lived. Together. It's not individual, is it? That's what we were talking about last week. We are to do that together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Do you know that you are not just part of here? You are part of the bigger worldwide church of God. Uh, Facebook, they tell me, the great social networking site of the 20th century, has 500 million members of it that are connected worldwide somehow through optic uh, cables. They are pathetic compared to God's social networking site in Jesus. When we are connected in Jesus, do you know how many Christians there are worldwide at the moment? 2.3 billion. 2.3 billion. Facebook gets nowhere near us, does it? We are connected on a far bigger playing field than what Facebook is. 2.3 billion Christians worldwide and it's continuing to grow. Uh, the Muslims are outgrowing us slightly because they're having more babies than us. Well, that's an interesting thing. Uh, but we're up there. We are still about one and a half million billion people uh, bigger than the Muslim community in, in the world at the moment. 2.3 billion. We are part of the bigger community. I don't know whether you've ever thought about that. Nobody have ever sat back and thought, how can I be praying for them? Can I encourage you? There's one of these out in the foyer and uh, this is ours if you want to grab it. This is called Operation World and in it it has every country throughout the world and in every country it's got all the statistics about that country. It tells you all the, the number of Christians in all the countries throughout the world and then it tells you the things that you can pray about for those Christians in the world. How about that? Grab one of those, uh, have a look at the one in there maybe each week as you come to church. Go and have a quick look, look at a country, have a look what's in there, have a look at the number of Christians and some of the prayer points and pray for them because we are part of a bigger community. We are part of a worldwide community and so we can be praying for and connected with them through that. That's a wonderful blessing, isn't it? That we have Jesus and he connects us to each other, connects us to God initially through Jesus, uh, he connects us to each other and he connects us to the worldwide church as well. So have a think about that, about praying for people just outside of our own little community as well. And not only has he given us his word, he's given us each other, his community, his church, and he's given us Jesus, but he's given us grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to remind us that we've been brought into God's presence through grace. Nothing we could do, all that Jesus has done. And that we have peace with God, shalom, 
is, is the word that's used there. Uh, we have peace with God and with each other through Jesus. How often do we take that for granted too? How often do we take for granted that we can walk around our streets and we can be peacefully turn up here? Uh, in the world at the moment, in Egypt, if you're hearing about the riots that are ha- happening over there, uh, a lot of that is also happening against Christians. Uh, if you, there's some different places you can go to and find out about it, but the, the Coptic Christians who are in Egypt and also the Evangelical Christians that are in Egypt, uh, they've been blown up, they've been, there's lots of horrible stuff happening throughout the world and, and especially there at the moment. So it's not just about democracy over there and getting rid of a, a parliament head, it's actually against uh, religious organisations too, so the, the Muslims are, are killing and taking out Christians over there. I think the Christians are having to go back, don't you mind? But it's happening all over the place. We want to be thankful, don't we, and remember the peace that we have. Remember the grace that God has brought us into peaceful relationship with God. We no longer experience his wrath. He's brought us into peaceful relationships with each other, that we have that amongst each other and that we can share that and that we can gather together, peacefully together. So remember we have his word. Remember we have his church. We have each other. Remember we have Jesus Remember we have grace and peace and remember that he has gifted us with everything that we need. Look at verse 4. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Now the amazing thing about this verse is because when you get later on into Corinthians you find out that this is exactly where they've gone wrong. Um, They've taken this and run it in a completely different direction. They know that they've got all these gifts and God has uh, enabled them to do lots and lots of stuff but they've run it and taken it and used it for their own self-gain rather than for building up the body. But what Paul is saying to them, remember who gave them to you and remember what they're for. Remember, he says, always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. They were given to them through Jesus. For in him you've been enriched in every way in all your speaking or knowledge. It's for him. It's for Jesus, given by Jesus, for Jesus, to be used so that people know Jesus and grow in him. Not for their own benefit and so that they feel really good about themselves. But it's for the bigger part. It's the bigger picture. It's for us, for the body, so that we grow together. I often wonder about this, you know, sometimes when you get to smaller places you think, well, wouldn't it be great if God just gave us this or God just gave us that or God just this. You know, God has given us everything that we need right here and now that we need at the moment. It's you. He has gifted everyone here with the gifts that we need right at the moment. The only thing that we need more of is more people. As more people come, then he's going to bring more people who are gifted and that will provide more things in different areas. But he has given everyone here gifts to use for him. We're all here. All that's needed for us and God's kingdom to grow is you and me together. He has gifted all of you to do that. And he's gifted all of you not to sit on your hands. Now, it's a bit hard today because it's pretty warm. You wouldn't want to do that. You probably want your hands in the air. But he hasn't gifted you to sit on your hands and do nothing with it. He's gifted you to grow his kingdom and encourage his body. That's all of us together. So can I encourage you? Uh, lots of people are doing lots of stuff in our, 
our group. It's, it's wonderful. God has gifted us and lots of you are doing lots of things around the place. It's great to see. But if you're sitting there and you're thinking, but you know, God hasn't gifted me with anything. He has. And he's got a place for you to serve here. Put up your hand and ask what it is. Put up your hand to find out where you can serve. Put up your hand and say, well, maybe I might be able to do it. Sometimes God gives us and we don't know it yet until we try it and give it a go. But the last thing he wants us to do is to sit on our hands when we're gifted with stuff that he's given us. He hasn't given us a gift to hide it and put it in a corner. He's given us gifts to be able to use and serve and grow his community. What a wonderful blessing that is, isn't it? That he has gifted us that way and we should never forget that. That what we have is all because of him. So we should use it for him. And finally, let me just encourage you, he says, don't forget that God will empower you, enable you and he is faithful. Look at verse 8. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will blame us on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. You know, God will bring us through. He will hold us. He will take us. He will get us there. He will enable us to stand right to the end because he is faithful. Do you notice where the strong, where it, where it lies? It's in him, not us. It's not dependent on you or me. It's dependent upon him. He is the strong one. He is the one who is faithful. He is the one that will keep us and take us and enable us and take us right through to the end and bring us to himself in glory one day. Paul says to us, don't forget. Don't forget the blessings of the word. Don't forget the blessing of our community, the church. Don't forget the blessing of his son, Jesus. Don't forget the blessing of grace and peace that he's given to us. Don't forget the blessing of the gifts that he has given us. And don't forget the blessing of his faithfulness and that he'll keep us to the end. Uh, I don't know about you, but I reckon you could probably go through your mind and have some unforgettable things that you've had in your life, some unforgettable experiences. Uh, I can remember some of mine, some of mine when I, I played hockey for Tassie against America in, in, in Hobart. That was an amazing experience in front of about 5,000 people. I can remember unforgettable when uh, I first saw Karina in Launceston in the mall opposite Meyer. You tell that later because she's not here. Okay? And she wouldn't remember that I did that. Uh, I can, uh, unforgettable was my wedding day and my wedding night. I don't forget that either. It was great. Unforgettable were the times when my children were born. Unforgettable time when we drove into Evan's head for the first time ever. Some unforgettable times uh, at a number of funerals that I've done, at some weddings that I've done, at some times when I've sat down with people and shared stuff with them. And I'm sure you've got them as well. I'm sure there are times that you can remember that are just unforgettable. Well, can I encourage you this morning to make sure that your experience with God is unforgettable. His word, his church, his son, his gifts, his faithfulness. Let's never forget those. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, swell to hear a bit and uh, uh, sweat 
and out here, Lord, it, it's a wonderful blessing that we can do that. Help us, Lord, not to complain about that. Help us to be thankful that we're here. Help us, Lord, as we think about all the blessings that you have given us and as we've just heard uh, what Paul has told the Corinthians, help us, Lord, never forget those as well. And Lord, as we always remember the great blessings that you have and have done for us and in us and through us, uh, Lord, help that to drive us in how we live for you. Help that to drive us as we live for your people, your community here. And Lord, may as we remember that and never forget those things, that will help us to know how we are to live for you and that we won't fall into the traps that the Corinthian church fell into. And Lord, that we will always remember your blessings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.